Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. She's All Fat is doing a Patreon drive. We gotta say, it can be hard out here for independent fat media, especially as we expand our pod squad in the midst of a global pandemic. Shout out to our new editor, Leila Oveda. We're able to pay our team and sustain the pod because of our lovely patrons. We love y'all and we feel your love for us and we want to expand that community. So we're starting a babysitter's club, not like actual babysitting because the pandemic and also we don't know infant CPR, but a fun little weekly live stream where I read and giggle at a chapter of the babysitter's club with y'all. It's going to be very silly and very fat girl TM. We're going to do the first one Sunday, August 16th on our Insta Live for all of our listeners. And then every week after that, we'll have a special stream for our fat babysitters, meaning our patrons and some other goodies too. To participate in the drive and support Indie Fat Media, join our Patreon at patreon.com slash she's all fat pod at any level. If you want to join the Babysitter's Club for weekly chapter book based hangouts and a special shout out in next week's episode, join at Team Paisley Movement. $7 a month or above. I'm Sophie, and this is She's All Fat, the podcast for fat positivity, radical self-love, and chill vibes only. In this episode, we're talking about fat jokes that are on our last nerve in quarantine times, featuring our fave recurring anonymous guest, your fat friend. But first, it's time for our SAF book club. Last week, we read chapter six, and since we're about halfway through, we wanted to do a little check-in to keep the momentum going. I, as somebody with ADHD who is not currently taking their meds right now, it is hard to concentrate and read uh, for more than a couple minutes at a time. So if you have found it harder to read in quarantine than outside, I feel you on that. Our producer, Yelly, had told me that she wished that we had read ahead so that we could give some content warnings for some of the chapters we've read. So we're learning a lot about how we want to do these book clubs and we're enjoying doing this with you. So we want to hear from you, family. Um, send us your thoughts on each chapter. Give us feedback on our little reading exercises at Yelly in the Patreon Facebook group. If you're in there, she does a weekly round roundup of the week's chapters and questions. For chapter six, we have from our editor, Layla, a reading on Aryan beauty and the threat of contact lenses. We'll link that for you in the show notes. And from our producer, Lynn, the question of the great American melting pot. Sabrina Strings taught us this phrase's origins in this chapter. Is it different than what Schoolhouse Rock told you? Give this a listen and then follow up in the show notes for some journaling. are with your fat friend on she's all fat it's a 
it's an event. I've made it an event. And this week we're talking about everything and we have questions from our listeners specifically for beep beep. Your fat friend. <laughs> That's my cue for Layla to put in beeps when I say her name. I could full on say your name right now because Layla could just put the beep over it, but now I'm afraid to say your name. You can say my name. Wait, it feels but... like I it feels like I'm not allowed. It feels like I'm it feels, it feels like it's naughty. <laughs> It feels like if I say, okay, I'm gonna try it. I'm gonna try it. Are you ready? Go okay, for Layla, it. You have to bleep it out. Okay. Ooh, I said it. <laughs> I said it. She's non still. She's a non still. Okay. 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 That was a rush. Here we go. Look at you go. I believe in you. Okay. <laughs> okay. Your fat friend is a online writer, former organizer, and online presence. Who writes? about fat justice issues and you should go follow her cross platform and i think we'll just move right ahead to the meat of it so here's the meat of it the meat of it this hannah wants to know how to deal with internalized fat phobia coming up during lockdown so I did write a piece called, I think it's seven steps to uprooting your anti-fat bias or some, something like that. It's a relatively recent one. I'll send it along um, yeah. and include it in the show notes. But I think like step one, I would say there are different answers to this question. This is not like a well-tread territory, right? To talk yeah. about like how to undo anti-fat bias. I think many, many folks are just figuring out that it's a thing and haven't gotten to the point of like, what do I do with it yet? But I will yeah. say there's this thing that I see quite a bit online, which is, I, th I think there's sort of a different framework to apply if you are a fat person versus if you are a non-fat person. So if the person asking mm -hmm. like, how do I uproot my anti-fat bias uh, and my internalized anti-fatness is a fat person, God bless. Keep going. You know. Yeah. Continue. And we'll get to the steps in a minute. The cautionary note that I would say is for folks who are not fat, who have anti-fat feelings about themselves or about folks around you, that's actually not internalized anti-fatness. It's not internalized oppression. That just is oppression. And yeah. that just is anti-fatness. The term internalized oppression is specifically about the ways in which folks who are part of a marginalized group internalize and reproduce their own oppression, right? For folks who are not part of that marginalized group, right? Like I don't, I'm a white woman. I don't have internalized racism when I have racist thoughts. And when I do racist things, that is just racism. And it doesn't feel good to say that, but it is true. It's true. And especially it's easier to listen to it when you remember that the goal of unpacking things is not to be a good person as opposed to a bad person. It's to look at and then limit and untangle your participation in oppressive systems that you are born into. Totally. And my goal here is not to be like, you just are anti-fat. You are the right. enemy. You are exactly. a bigot. You are a blah, blah, yeah. blah. Like, that's not my goal here. <laughs> my goal here is to say the target of that oppression isn't yourself. The target of that oppression is actually other people. And it's yeah. really, really important to situate yourself in terms of like how you relate to this oppressive system. And even though many, many, many people who are not fat will have anti-fat feelings about themselves, that is not about being ashamed of being fat or sort of restructuring your life as a fat person might do around anti-fatness. That's like, that's what we're talking about when we talk about internalized anti-fatness. 
In a thin person, that same impulse is about distancing yourself from fat people. Yeah. Right? Like when you don't want to gain weight, it's not because of internalized anti-fatness. It's not because you are a fat person and you have internalized the messages about what it means to be you and are reproducing them. It's you have heard the messages about fat people and you are reinforcing them by distancing yourself from fatness rather than by tackling anti-fatness and making the world safer for everyone, regardless of their size. I just want to name that, like, there's a lot of, like, I just see so many thin people talking about, like, quote-unquote internalized fat phobia, and I'm like, oh, there's, like, a mechanics to this conversation that folks are sort of missing, so I wanted to name that. I mean, I think, like, there are a few things in terms of, like, steps to take. One is you have to follow people who look like you, and you also have to follow people who don't look like you. So there's a lot of stuff in fat positive world that's like, you have to follow people who look like you. And I'm like, yes, but if I did that, I would only follow other fat, able-bodied white people. And that's also not helping. So like, you got to follow people who look like you. And you also have to follow people who are fatter than you. And you also have to follow disabled people. And you also have to follow folks from different countries and folks of different races. I think a big part of undoing our anti-fatness has to be grappling with and sitting with the uncomfortable feelings of judgment or of in some cases like disgust or in some cases what like sitting with those feelings and those responses that we have to other folks bodies including to our own and just observing them like allowing space to just sit with those and learn what they're trying to teach us without freaking out without trying to numb out and stop thinking about it without beating ourselves up for being a terrible person without congratulating ourselves and reassuring ourselves that we are a great person, right? Like, but just actually sitting with it and going, okay, where's this coming from for me? Yeah. Like that kind of mindfulness is the single best tool that I have found. I'm curious about for you. So like what? I mean, I think that's, that's always true. Like, I don't know. I've been thinking about this a lot in terms of like working on myself in other arenas where I have to, unlearn other things I was thinking about how like I've seen a lot of people tweet like about how they're tired basically you know fatigued and then I've been seeing people be like well you got to prevent allyship fatigue and then I saw other people be like what are you talking about like you're just tired because you've been thinking about this for three weeks or whatever you know yeah and what I think is actually like useful for me from that conversation is for me it's not about fatigue in terms of being tired of dealing with a subject Or like sometimes people will have a reaction that's like, I can't get anything right. I might as well not even do it or whatever, you know? And it's it's more about the truth that I think is, is in that response that's otherwise just fragility is that when you're when your physical shit gets jacked up, it's really hard to hear what's going on. When your anxiety or your fear is manifesting physically and your heart rate's going and your muscles are tensing up, it becomes extremely hard to actually listen. And one of the best tools for that, because that's a fairly natural response, you know, to go into fight or flight or or freeze when confronted by something that feels threatening because it is threatening to try to take apart your worldview, you know, it is something you have to move through. Having that tool of observation is like the best thing for me that I found to deal with that. Because if I if I can just even go like, wow, my chest is really tight right now, then I can go, wow, I'm feeling a lot of anxiety about this. I wonder why I'm so protective of this idea. 
immediately I'm in a better place to receive what I'm hearing than I'm scared. I'm scared. I'm scared. I'm scared. Right. You know, that you're sort of like in this place of like neutral and genuine curiosity of like, whoa, where did that come from for me? Right. Like thinking about things in those terms rather than indulging the place that is like, I'm being called a bad person or I think I'm a bad person or like conflating your character and your personhood with, a thought that you had or a thing that you yes. did, right? Like is not productive for anyone. No. And it's-, and it's not also not productive to try to like make up for something or erase it or whatever. It's like, no, we're just got to look at it and deal with it. And people can have the reactions that they have to it. I mean, I experienced some internalized like anti-fatness this quarantine because I gained like some weight and I started feeling afraid because I'm now on the like, larger side of mid fat and I could tell how differently I was fitting in the chairs in our house and it made me really scared for if I gained more weight how I would feel in the outside world after quarantine like legitimately scared like I already know the bad things that happened to me I don't want more of those yeah totally totally yeah and that fear of like again to this like distinction right that fear in Thin folks may be like, I hear how people talk about people who gain weight. For fat people, that is like, I don't know if a chair at a restaurant will be able to hold me. Yeah. I'm like, I already deal with some of that. I don't want to deal with more of that. Right. I'm scared of that. I don't know if I will be able to stay on a plane. I already am scared of going to the doctor. I just know how getting fatter is going to compound these things and so of course that has the the internal reaction of I don't want to get fatter and then I have to like sit with that and think about it and be like okay well that's why I do this work is that we're we're dedicated to making a world where it doesn't you know work that way and it's okay to have these feelings and blah 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 but then I also had other internalized stuff that was like that was some replication of stuff I had feelings of being afraid Victor wouldn't find me as attractive. Mm. And that's just straight up internalized yeah. anti-fatness. Yep, totally. That's it. And even though I recognized what it was and was able to talk to myself about it that way, it still was came up, yeah. you know? Yeah, a little like some internalized anti-fatness and like a, just a dash of internalized misogyny too. Cool, yeah. cool, 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 cool. Yeah. Like yeah. just a little, just a sousson of <laughs> internalized misogyny. Like, you know, and it just comes up. It just happened. Like it just was there. Yeah. I was like, oh, hello. Okay. Yeah. That And again, like that thought, I don't know a person alive who hasn't had that thought in quarantine. Do you know right. what I mean? Like anyone I've talked to about like, how's your body image? 100% of them were like, not great. <laughs> so like, that's fine and fair. Right. Yeah. And that doesn't mean you don't have to unpack it. Right. And it also doesn't mean that you don't have to like think about not just what that's saying about y- the universal you. I'm not talking about you in particular, so but like like generally, right? For each of us to mm-hmm. think about not just what it says about our relationship to our own bodies, but also, and this is the part where it gets gross and it doesn't feel good, what it says about our perception about people who are fatter than us. I've been moving more and more toward language of like, rather than like fat or thin, because that's such contested territory, or in addition to fat and thin, um, thinking about people who are fatter than you and people who are less fat than you, right? Mm. And I think when we express that kind of fear of weight gain, I know we want to think that it is free of judgment. Not at all. I mean, for, it comes up. For anybody there. else. But like... It's there. 
Yeah. We it's all obviously there. Right. We are all living in the universe where my 600 pound life is on TV. The idea yeah. that you wouldn't have internalized some of the like horrendous things that are being said yeah. about like uh, very fat people and fin of fat people, right? It's untenable and you know, it's just yeah, not, it's just not, it's, it's unrealistic. Just not it's totally yeah. unrealistic. Right. I think even amongst fat people, right. Like we've all sort of said things like, it's not like I'm diabetic or like my right. blood work is perfect or whatever. Right. Yeah. Like we all do things to distance ourselves from certain kinds of fat people, usually yeah. very fat people and usually disabled fat people. And I think it's worth like sitting with that. And I also think like the other thing that is like, feel scary to start doing and then once you start doing it you're like oh right this is fine is for all of us whether you wear plus sizes or not seeking and responding to feedback from other fat people is actually like really 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 important so like being able to be vulnerable enough in your relationships with people who are fatter than you to ask for feedback or to say, hey, I said this thing the other day and it didn't sit right with me. What did you make of it? How do you want me to handle that in the future? Right? Like, it doesn't have to be big, heavy, like your personhood and goodness and character on trial. Right? Like, you can normalize that set of conversations. Yeah, normalize being wrong. It's not a big deal. It's fine. We're all wrong all the time. Right. And if you don't sort of like take that on, that fear of being wrong will grow and grow and grow. And your fragile reactions to getting response, like to getting feedback will grow and grow and grow. So that's the other thing that I would say is like that kind of like mindfulness, but also, you know, like being in relationship and tending to those relationships enough to like get good, meaningful, caring feedback from people who are invested in you. And then incorporate that feedback. Oh, yeah. Like then, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, don't just, then do that. Don't just hear it out and be like, good points. I will be yeah. on my way. <laughs> yeah. And then incorporate it. Then yeah. do that. Then, you know, yeah. do whatever. But I, I mean, I do think it's a it's a trap to be like, oh, I'm listening. I'm hearing as opposed to just. Oh, yeah. I mean, I did. You know? I wrote a piece called The False Safety of Listening and Learning. The thing that I wrote about was this sense that like, I'm listening and learning is sort of like the social justice equivalent to thoughts and prayers where you're like, cool, cool, cool. So that doesn't actually do anything. Yeah. Yeah. Like for the person who's experiencing oppression in that moment, it's not functional. It doesn't change anything for them for you to say, I'm listening and learning. Right. That's an important thing to do. It's also like bare minimum human behavior to listen to what someone else is saying to you. Yes. <laughs> so like I also like I'm very wary of the ways that folks sort of lift that up as being like yes. an accomplishment or like you know like yes. I'm doing the right thing or whatever because I do think like yes of course listen and learn and also know that that is not actually the work of anti-oppression that's the work of like being a person I love that I feel like all these other questions are kind of subsets of this question honestly oh, yeah, like yeah, people yeah. are going through it right now like this person says always helpful to hear again how to address these comments with family friends and boss not just quarantine jokes i've become a punching bag for acquaintances and strangers because of their fear of weight gain i'd love to hear some commentary on feeling sage as a fat person this person says how to deal with the hate you get when speaking up for fats the replies are rough how to tell people that fat jokes aren't funny or ask them to stop without making them instantly defensive how do you deal with seeing lots of quarantine fat jokes 
best ways to feel better after seeing a fat joke. A lot of people are feeling a lot of pain hearing these jokes. Like a lot. Yeah. I mean, like, and again, it feels like it's sort of like where you're at with your own processing of your relationship to your body and your fat politics and all of that kind of stuff. I especially think that like for myself early on in my own like politicization around fat stuff and sort of dipping my toe into it, I felt like an open wound all the time, right? Like when you start noticing like the stuff that you have just learned to accept, it feels horrible. Like it feels horrible and you can't unnotice it. And it's really, really hard to grapple with. But I will say like the biggest thing that has made the biggest difference to me is actually like starting with the people who are closest to me getting really honest and vulnerable about like, this sucks and I'm trying to figure it out. But like, I just need you to know it feels bad all the time to hear the ways that people talk about me, but also people who look like me and how would I not internalize that? Right. So for me, that was like my closest friends. It was my partner at the time. And it was my mom. I did not have like fat people who were close to me in my life at that time. So I like set really clear expectations of like, I know this isn't your experience. I don't expect you to understand all the way, but like, can you talk it out with me? Like, can we, can we try? And the more that I did that, you know, sometimes I felt better and sometimes I didn't, but the, the, the real effect of those conversations was that then I would be at work and one of my best friends who I worked with would hear that stuff and would step in for me. Yeah. Right. And, you know, like, my mom will now have these conversations where, like, someone will be like, oh, if I eat that dessert, I'm going to get diabetes. And my mom will be like, it doesn't come from sugar, it comes from stress. Like, my mom (laughs) (laughs) will, like, go in on folks, right? So, like, you know, like, shoring up the folks who are closest to you and figuring out how to, like, work through your stuff and create some allies is really important. And also, like, there are folks who won't come with you. Yeah. On those conversations. And at this point in my life, I have not kept around the folks who don't come with me on this conversation. In the same way that like, as a queer person, I am absolutely not going to hang out with people who are like, boy, I love you, but you're going to hell. Like that's not, that's not an energy that I need in my life. And I don't think that it's unreasonable or fragile to expect to be respected in your body. Not in spite of it. I struggle a lot, actually, with, like, it's one thing I talk about in therapy all the time is black and white thinking and trying to accept when I can't control things and accept when people act in ways that are hurtful to me and I want to, like, navigate that or I act in ways that are hurtful to people and I want to navigate that. Yeah. It's hard. Like, it's hard. Totally. It's very hard to do that. So, like... I have never, ever been someone who was like, people have always told me to get a thicker skin. I've always been told I'm too sensitive. I've always been told I'm too, like, I'm getting offended. I'm this and that, you know? So, and that's because I am like my feelings used to like are, I'm sensitive. I get offended all the time, you know? Yeah. Like it's true. It's true. So I don't have good advice on how to stop feeling better after seeing it because I'm terrible at that. What I feel bad about see after seeing something, all I want is to like talk to a friend for like an hour about how much it hurt my feelings. Totally. And, totally. You know? Ooh, let's talk about that actually. Okay. So like okay. when you get a real garbage comment 
from a person in the world, from a person on the internet, whatever, like that really, really, really gets to you. What are your immediate next steps? I text, I send it to Lindsay or my sister and I ask them, like, usually their response is like, like, because initially when that first happens, what I want is somebody to be like uh, defensive of me, not even to that person. But to me, where like, I'll send it to them. And then, you know, the kind of friendship talk where the other person's like, that person doesn't know what they're talking about. And I'll protect you. I'll come over. I'll beat that person. Like, whatever. You know what I mean? Like that kind of thing. Yeah. Like, who do they think they like that kind of thing is like very helpful for initial soothed feelings for me. Yep. You know, so it depends what it is. Usually what happens is I am more likely to feel frustrated by somebody not getting something than I am likely to feel hurt by someone saying mean something mean to me. Especially online, I simply have had too many like arguments to like care if somebody says something mean to me. It kind of makes me turn off. If it's a stranger, it makes me like turn off caring. Yeah. But if it's if it's in real life, like if somebody makes a joke and then there's a moment where they like make eye contact with me and I look wounded, I might think about that for a long time. Okay, here's an example. The other day, content warning for being catcalled or you know whatever who knows this whole episode this everything about this podcast is a content warning about being fat but like (laughs) it was walking back from Rite Aid there's a Rite Aid right around the corner for me where I get my medications that's the only place I've gone all of quarantine I just walk over and get my meds and walk on back and Victor goes to the grocery store I was walking back and there's like a main street right near my place, right? Beverly. And I was walking up Beverly and this car drove by coming, going the same direction I was. So I didn't see them coming. And the man shouted out of his window, like, don't worry, I'd still fuck you. (laughs) Wait, do you know my story about this? Really? No. That is fully someone. I was at a crosswalk and someone in a car just yelled, I would not. Fuck you. Yeah. Okay. So it was that energy, but the The opposite. opposite. As if I had been like, uh, so I texted Lindsay about it and she was like, to be fair, were you wearing your, will you fuck me shirt? And I was like, no, I wasn't. (laughs) (laughs) That's a delightful friend reaction. You know, like, (laughs) like I was not even wearing that shirt and he still said that to me. Yeah. Like that was in real life. I tend to have a lot more feelings of like anger because of feeling afraid or feeling out of control. Like that kind of situation always makes me feel small and scared and in a way much more than online because at this point I'm used to having people call me whatever online and then like nothing happened, you know? Yeah, totally. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you wanna tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. 
United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. I mean, I feel like for me, the ones that like stay with me the most, there are a couple. I'm totally with you. Like if someone's like fat ass or whatever, I'm like, right. Yeah. Get in line. Like, I don't yeah. know. <laughs> F- yeah. Fine. I also will say the ones that like aggressively don't get to me, which are very funny to me, is in all of my years of getting negative responses to my work, I have gotten, I think, two that were like, you're a bad writer. And I was like, <laughs> like <laughs> listen, you can say a lot of things about me that would like really give me pause and that would really get to me. Yeah. This is not actually one of them. <laughs> yeah. I will say the ones that get to me the most are the people who genuinely think that they are meeting me where I'm at and that they are mm-hmm. helping me along in my understanding. And that's like part of the reason that I like struggle with meet them where they're at language because there is like an inherent sort of condescension built into that. Right. Or there can be very easily. Yeah. Right. And I yeah. can feel that condescension in these comments. So I got one at one point, I wrote a piece a few years ago called how to love a fat person. And it was like, here's what it can be like to be in a relationship with a fat person who has a different relationship to their own body and to their own experience than you do. And like, you have to take their lead, but also they might not always know what their lead is. And you're going to, you know what I mean? Like, you're going to have to sit with all of that. Anyway, I got a very lengthy and very, I think this person absolutely thought they were being sweet comment of being like, hey, I totally get you. This sounds really frustrating. The problem here as I see it, I'm hoping this is helpful. The problem here as I'm seeing it is that you feel entitled to be loved by people who are more attractive than you. Oh, yeah, I've gotten that take as well. Where they're like, so you just feel like you can demand love from anyone else. And I was like, oh, that's actually like nowhere in this piece. And they were like, what you're missing is that objectively being fat is unattractive. Right. And more attractive people just won't be attracted. And I was like, this is the most bizarre worldview. I've gotten that as well. It's like, no, but you don't understand. You're trying to tell me that... um, actually like hating fatness is bad but i'm telling you that i hate fatness it's like no i know yeah i understand what you're telling me but like those are the ones where i'm just like the thing that feels like not quite despairing but not totally not despairing about those is like there is like a noblesse oblige to that there is a belief that they're like as a thin person yeah heavy is the head that wears the crown i've got to explain to this poor Oh my god, yeah. This That's so true. Poor ignorant fatty. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that like, like exactly. Hey, sorry, the reason you're missing this is what what you're not understanding is that people are repulsed by you. Right. Get exactly. It? Right? Exactly. We are all on the same page now, right? Like where I'm like, no, yeah. that's not gonna okay. So like the thing that bums me yeah. out about that isn't what they're saying. The thing that bums me out about that is that they absolutely firmly and fully believe that they are in the right to talk to another human yeah. being that way. That's the thing that gets to me. And the thing that always helps me out of it is like a thing that you just were talking about, which is like, call someone and get validation. Somebody making a joke about it. Like the, like, were you wearing your would you fuck me shirt today? Right. It's like super helpful. 
It can also help me sometimes when I feel after some of those statements, sometimes I can feel a little disoriented in my body and it can help to do something like a lot of times I will get high and take a bath or something and do something that helps me get back inside myself, you know, and be reminded of what what and who I am. Yeah, that's true for me, too. I think we don't have real advice for people dealing with a lot of jokes except just like yeah, solidarity and like take care of yourself and it sucks is basically what we're saying. I mean, I just want to validate all the people who wrote in who are struggling with this. Yeah. Because I'm like, yeah, I get it. Like all these people who were like, all these people around me keep making jokes. How do I get them to stop? I'm saying, I don't know, man, that sucks. Yeah. That really sucks. Also, like if you have folks who are like persistently doing it and you feel like you've had very earnest, direct conversations with them and they're still not doing it. I think it's fair to think about limiting your time with that person. I agree. Right? Yeah. That maybe that's, you know, I don't hang out with this friend once a week. I hang out with them once a month. Or whether yeah. that's, I actually need to, like, take some time away from this family member. Another tool yeah. I've used before we get to that, to, before I get to that point, too, yeah, yeah, yeah. is especially on Facebook. I think it's useful to comment on a meme that's shared or something and say, like, Hey, I don't think this is very cool. If you want to find out why I'm happy to have a convo, like hope your weekend's going well. Yeah, totally. Instead of like getting into a a conversation there, I will put something out that allows them to make the first step because then that way, if they decide to ignore it, then I'm not in an annoying argument. And it gives them a sense of like, it gives them the opportunity to save face and approach you in private about it. Yes, exactly. Which also like sort of lowers the threat level response yeah totally yes, totally 100%. and then i feel like i've said something and i don't have to like push on it yeah, you know totally 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 i would also say once again like this is a place where i would name that you and i are two fat people talking about this if you are not a fat person yes. if you are not a person with an eating disorder i would say this is like less optional work yes oh 100 yeah. you know i mean i just don't think that then people are or people without any kind of trauma around this are writing in these questions. These are all questions that we got that were like, they all, they've all got the like, ha ha, help me. Like people keep making, totally, you know, like, ha. Yeah, like, ha ha, everyone keeps making these jokes. Ha ha, right. sucks, right? Ha ha, Just stop, right? The nervous laughter of desperation and not yeah, exactly. wanting to feel like it's. But another thing I would say for people who are not fat is like, if you're feeling overwhelmed by the number of jokes you're seeing as well, then maybe try a two-pronged approach of number one reaching out to those people to try to hold them accountable and just try to have the conversations you don't have to have them perfectly but just try to call people in and second of all if you're supporting the people who you know who are fat in your life like that's kind of the two things I would advise you to do if you are listening to this and you're like someone who's thin or not fat or straight size or whatever who is bothered by a lot of these jokes too totally totally do you have anything else to say it's a hard time to be in a body in the world. <laughs> That's like thing one. And thing two is it's like really, really, really easy to, and I feel like this is like part of the theme of our conversation today. It is really, really easy to get up in your feelings about your own experience. And I would just encourage yeah. folks during these moments of distress to take a minute to step outside of yourself as well to like process your own feelings about this stuff. And also to think about what is the impact on folks who are the intended target of it? Yeah. Right. I know it's hard to want to like 
add more of a sense of distress <laughs> to an already distressing situation. But I do think like part of grappling with thin privilege isn't just thin people doing that. It's fat folks grappling with our own proximity to thinness, right? And yeah. the privilege that that affords us, right? So that's the other thing that just feels like important to note about all of this. Everybody's activated. Everything sucks about all these jokes, right? Like just to be real clear. And also yeah. at some point in that process, we've also got to get super real about like who's paying the biggest price for that and how we're showing yeah. up for those folks, not just for our yes. own hurt feelings and managing our own experience, but also like doing the kind of like cultural correction that will subject fatter folks to this less and less over time. A hundred percent. That's what I would 100%. say. percent. I think that's a perfect place to end. Boom. Nailed it. <laughs> you nailed it. Thank you so much for being here. It's always a pleasure to have you on the show and I can't wait to have you back very soon. What a treat, bud. Any old time. Love it. And that's our show. Producing SAF in COVID times is made possible by our beloved patrons. Special thanks to Michelle Bissonette, Karen Reynoso, Molly English, Aaron Murta, Lauren, Lindsay Sherman, Siobhan, Lizzie Garnett, Carly Watkins, and Diana Bowers-Smith. Thank y'all so much. You keep us going. This week, your call to action is to support the Black and Indigenous communities of Chicago. You have probably heard about the extreme violence the U.S. government is deploying on Portland protesters currently. The president announced on July 20th that he's expanding this federal crackdown to other major cities, notably Chicago. Chicago obviously has a much larger population of Black and Indigenous people than Portland, and we need to come together with solidarity and support. There are a lot of resources out there to learn and contribute to. I want to point you to the Chai Nation's Youth Council. Follow their Instagram to witness what's happening in Chicago. If you're in Chicago, show up to their rallies if you're able. And if not, contribute by sharing their info or donating to their PayPal. And to our Black and Indigenous family members in Chicago and elsewhere, stay safe, family. We love you. She's All Fat was created by me, Sophie Carter-Kahn and April K. Quio, who graduated. We are an independent production. If you'd like to support the work we do, you can join our Patreon by visiting patreon.com slash she's all fat pod. When you pledge to be a supporter, you'll get all sorts of goodies and extra content. Please make sure to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. It's super important in making sure people find the show so we can grow the family. Our ads are done in partnership with ACAST. If you're interested in sponsoring the show, you can get started at ACAST.com or send us an email. Be sure to check out the show notes for links to the stuff we mentioned today. And don't forget to send us your questions via email or voice recording to FYI at She's Our theme music was composed and produced by Carolyn Pennypacker-Riggs. Our website was designed by Jesse Fish. And our logo is by Hannah Sanger. Layla Oweda is our brand new editor. Lynn Barbera and Yelly Cruz produced this episode. Our thin crony forever is Maria Wortel. I am our host and co-producer. Our Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter handles are at She's All Fat Pod. You can find the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, and wherever else you get your podcasts. Stay safe out there.
Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com.